Well, hey, everybody, this is Seth. Um, and we just wanted, Anna and I wanted to tell you about, um, we, we are launching our next round of groups here um, in, in the spring. And we are so excited about those. If you're in the Nashville area, we would love to have you. And yeah, it is what we do at Restore Small Groups. So to give you a little bit more info on when and where, uh, here's Anna. Hey, friends, we would love to see your smiling face in our Center of Transformation for one of our small groups. We'll be launching our next round beginning on the week of March 25th. We'll be offering this term Journey to Freedom on several different days, Journey of Transformation on a couple days, and Journey of New Beginnings, which specifically deals with grief, on one day. So if any of those sound uh, intriguing to you or helpful, please uh, visit our website, restoresmallgroups.org backslash join a group. We hope to see you soon. Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George, joined with Scott and Anna and Seth, and we're thrilled that you're joining us for wherever you are listening. Um, obviously, we enjoy having conversations with each other. Um, but we're always mindful of you, where you're listening from, where your heart's at. And we're on this 36-day journey of transformation, which is just the secret ingredient to happiness. Happiness is something that we're all longing for, all pursuing it in our lives. But this day begins with uh, Guinness, who writes, As modern people, we have too much to live with and too little to live for. Some feel they have time, but not enough money. Others feel they have money, but not enough time. But for most of us, in the midst of uh, material plenty, we have a spiritual poverty. And that spiritual poverty, Scott, um, leads to too many of us enduring life, right, instead of living it to its fullest. So how do we begin to live fuller and happier lives? It's a... That's the inward journey, the inner journey that we, I believe, coming home to, like Seth and I were talking about just earlier, that a, a contentment with who I am as a person, as a human being. Um, and I, for me, again, meaning means so much more than just, you know, well, I'm here to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. No, it's who I'm supposed to be. And so mm. I think that inner journey of becoming home, coming home to becoming the person that we really truly are, and we're at home with that person, and, um, and that inner love, that experience, I think that's, 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 boy, if you find, if you can get on that journey and find that inner love, um, that's, to me, the secret to happiness. And I think that it's a, a big part, part of it is, is turning away from the things that have misled us, that you know, that we've chased for so much of our lives, our society systemically, it tells us this is, you know, whether it's money, success, and acclaim and things like that. But um, I can be completely, just for me, a simple daily walk at Radnor Lake in the woods uh, with nature, and I feel connected with, it's what I love, and uh, I feel at home. I like the mm. person that I am. I, t I talk to all the animals, of course, you know, and <laughs> all God's creatures, but um, I feel do they like talk back to you, Scott? Is the question? <laughs> <laughs> they do, matter of fact. No, uh, but that um, it's that to me. That's that's the key to the happiness. There's so many of us. You're talking about 
Yeah, you're talking about an inner life. And um, yes. you guys, yeah, I'm, we live in a world that it, it seems like so much of our happiness is driven toward the external things. Um, and which obviously is a part of it. I mean, the comforts of life and, you know, things that we love. But we're talking about the secret ingredient of the inner happiness that, that we're pursuing and just how much our culture focuses on the outward as opposed uh, to the inner, for sure. So, uh, Scott, and you're talking about deeper meaning, that um, we drift without a sense of a deeper meaning to our lives, which is not just external. It's, it's an internal um, piece. So, and obviously finding work we are interested in would be really meaningful. That could give us deeper meaning, but it doesn't mean that our calling in life has to be work. Anna, you, you have some thoughts on this, but we can find a higher purpose outside of our workplaces, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, and if we, if we find that, that's great, but that's yeah. not the only place and I to think, find meaning. Uh, oftentimes in our culture, we, we do get caught up in, in, uh, substituting our work for our fulfillment. And I think some people are very fortunate to be able to have work that is very fulfilling to them as are the four of us, right? Like I don't, that's not lost on me mm -hmm. how fortunate yeah. we are that, that we get to do work mm -hmm. that is deeply meaningful and fulfilling. But I recognize that in order to have a fulfilling life, you don't have to necessarily have to have your vocation be something that is where you find your meaning. Because honestly, there, there are vocations that, that may not be deeply fulfilling. But if your vocation enables you to to find meaning elsewhere outside. Like, you know, you might work really hard at being um, a data analyst, right? And that may not be like deeply satisfying to your soul, but if that brings in a paycheck and supports you and enables you to provide for a family or, or build relationships or go out and do things, uh, go on adventures, go in nature, whatever it is that that maybe less than satisfying position would provide for you to find a deeper meaning, then that's great, right? We, the, the, the end goal is finding meaning, finding purpose. It doesn't have to be done a specific way or in a specific place. Yeah. And like we live in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. where that happens all the time. <laughs> I had a waitress that waited on me years ago. Then I saw her on American cool. Idol. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's so many people in, in just our city here that, yeah, they they do a particular work or an occupation just to do what they're most passionate about. And Yeah, how many people are waiting well. tables, like trying to make it to big in the music business yeah. here, right? Because that's what their passion and their drive is. But you got to have an occupation in order to, to fuel that, right? Exactly. Just speaking of maybe the different kinds of happinesses that we can experience. Some of it is extrinsic, like, um, you know, material things, uh, or outward mm -hmm. image, you know, how, how we look to others, our status, our popularity. And then there is this intrinsic kind of happiness that we can find in our personal growth in the relationships, more connected relationships. Um, and obviously contributing meaningfully to making the world a better place. These are kinds of mm -hmm. inward things. But you talk about how we have to sometimes make meaning yeah. out of our lives. That's, well, a, that's, that's interesting. That initial idea was sparked for me reading at the, the very beginning after the quote in the chapter 
um, where Scott's talking about um, the bricklayers. And they're all doing the same thing, but they have three different perspectives. I am laying bricks. I am building a church. I am building the house of God. Right? And Scott goes on to say that how they viewed their work is the problem. And they're all, on some level, making meaning there, you know? Um, but here's the thing is, I think sometimes, well, well, let me just back up and say, everybody, I think, for the most part, inherits meaning in the beginning of life, you know, based on um, what mm-hmm. other people say about things. Like, we trust our, you know, our, peer, our primary caregivers, what they tell us about what this thing is and what it means. But sometimes I think we come to a point in life where we need to make our own personal meaning because the previously held understanding no longer makes sense for us. So that's when we are challenged mm-hmm. to make new meaning yeah. for ourselves because no longer was this passed down thing work for me. So as we as this book is assisting you so well in, you know, when we make paradigm shifts, sometimes um, those paradigm shifts are forced on us. I think sometimes you know we're, we don't we don't ask for things to change so drastically. And then we have to figure out, well, what does this mean for me now? Now that I can't hold the same kind of understanding or perspective or meaning I once did around it. Um, I think of the example of my wife and I had, before we had kids, we joke all the time, like, what did we do with our time? We, were, we must have been so free and available at any whim, you know. <laughs> but we did have two dogs, two Shelties that we adored. And we were those people that were dog people, you know. We we're like, we see pictures of our dogs. And we're just scrolling through all the pictures. We were those people. And then we had our first child. And I still remember when we walked through the front door of our house. And the very first thing my wife said was, the dogs look different. And I and I knew what she meant. Wow. Now, your ch- your children have gotten better looking. <laughs> our meaning around our dogs changed because priorities shifted. Yep. Because no longer was were mm. our dogs the you know the prize possession in our minds, and it was now that took a shift downward. And so we perceived the animals differently as they're not on the same playing field as as our daughter. You know, so. I think meaning sometimes shifts naturally, and then I think think sometimes we're left untethered, and we need to make new meaning when we when something doesn't make sense anymore for us. Yeah, so we start with maybe some borrowed mm-hmm. meaning, meaning which is necessary for us at a younger age or a different season of life. And you're talking about then when we discover a meaning that's more authentic to who we are or more personal to our experience of life. That brings great happiness because that is that is growth. That is personal mm-hmm. growth because now you have a meaning that you know you're feeling from within. It just yeah, was and not and that's borrowed. not to that's not to say either. That. Like that's, that's, um, inherited meaning doesn't allow us to be happy. I just think we get an even even um, potentially yeah. deeper, more personal happiness when something becomes ours. When we mm. make meaning for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very very. Helpful. And we don't always think about happiness and meaning mm-hmm. in, in that way. Uh, that was a great, great example. Thank you, Seth. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about this and maybe each of you could jump in on this, but let's talk about the role that fear plays in happiness in ways that it uh, hinders us, um, holds us back. It, it's, it certainly can be an impediment to, uh, to happiness in, in people's lives. How do you, how do you guys experience that? How do you think that holds us back from 
a more fuller experience of life and happiness? For for me, it, is, it creates a, menta, a mental mindset of, you know, I'm going to retreat from it. You know, so mm-hmm. what I really am passionate and gives me meaning that I, I really believe this is what I would like to live for to to grow to become. And then the fear comes in there and says, well, it's not going to happen. You can't do it. And so fear gets its strength from our retreat. And so I back away. And uh, it can be a huge hindrance to my, you know, obtaining the, you know, the passion to, to keep moving forward. I think passion is a is a great word because even if I am afraid, I think passion can over is can be stronger than than fear. That uh, mm. I'm gonna, you know, it's you know, because there is no failure in trying is what we've talked about before. You know, and it's uh, it's all about growth. And so having the passion for, for not to have sometimes maybe a specific outcome, but just you know, having the ability to passionately pursue something because we're going to grow in the process is in the movie Dreamer with uh, Dakota Fanning and Kurt Russell. You know, the little girl wanted to have a champion racehorse and the father had become cynical and he was a great horse trainer because of what had happened in his life. And he told his wife one day, uh, because the little girl wanted to get a champion horse and train it, you know, to win the Kentucky Derby. And he says, oh, it's just a pipe dream. No way, you know, because he was afraid. He was afraid that she would get hurt and they would get hurt. And the, and the wife, the mother, said a beautiful thing. She said, that's okay. Let her have her dream. Let it carry her as far as it can. And that, to me, uh, is a great way to live life. So when you're talking about uh, fears, is it the fear of that if you move toward happiness, you're never going to attain it? Is it the fear that you'll never be enough um, to be happy like what? What are, like, what are some of those fears for you, Scott? You know that, that I'll not obtain it. You'll and not so, obtain it. Yeah. And since I can't, since I'm afraid I can't obtain it, and the pain of not obtaining it would be so great, mm-hmm. I won't pursue mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'll give up before or I even try. Or that you might obtain it, and it could yeah. be taken away from you, and how painful that might be. Exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. exactly. Wow, that's wow, so- Anna. That's that's it. Yeah. That's it. Wow. In a Seth, what, how's fear play into happiness for you? How might fear? I think I think fear fear drives us to um, to more of a scarcity mindset rather than um, a growth mm-hmm. mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Or and ultimately, if we're living in a scarcity mindset, we're not going to be able to really engage with happiness fully. And so, I think it is like it's a it's a protective mechanism. That um, that it keeps us limited, right? It keeps us from expanding. It keeps us from fully experiencing life um, in all of its capacity, because we're af- afraid of what is unknown or what could happen that could potentially be harmful or hurtful. Yeah, it's like you're saying, in a fear mm-hmm. closes us off to growth, because it, it in some way what paralyzes us from acting in any way that could, you know, be helpful in moving us toward goodness or, or happiness. And yeah. So in that paralyzation, we yeah, just, like we the, the fear is a protective me- mechanism to keep us safe, but when it's keeping us safe, it's also keeping mm-hmm. us enclosed and small and we're not open to the possibility of what can actually be. 
Yeah, to piggyback, which is such a fun term, um, <laughs> off of it, what Anna's saying. I do think fear is what I think most likely keeps us from um, not moving on beyond inherited meaning. Um, because to make new meaning out of uh, of things is potentially what sets up difference between you and me, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. That might cause some kind of conflict. But I think of uh, Joseph Campbell in his famous like the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure in which you seek. Yeah, I think we all, on some level, have likely made some kind of happiness contract. Like if I at least it um, adhere to this way of life. I will, I will be able to um, stay safe. Actually, when we think we're being happy, like what Anna was saying, like as long as um, I don't stir the pot, or you know, I, I will be able to remain uh, happy or keep my sense of peace. We kind of set, yeah. we settle in some way for a less happy, yeah. less kind yeah. of happiness, and when, right? Yeah, and when in reality, I think, especially mm-hmm. at least based on that Joseph Campbell idea, um, I think the thing I, the thing we fear most actually holds our greatest potential and our greatest capacity and our greatest uh, availability for happiness. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think happiness can at least be understood in in like a, an avoidance of something we fear that gives us a faux happiness and then a real kind of happiness that comes from mm. facing something. Um, and then on the other side of that, how that actually feels in our, in our actual experience. I'm happy because I did something that I didn't think I could, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. You guys familiar with um, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Gilbert? She, wrote a book called Big Magic, and it's Creative Living Beyond Fear. And um, one of the things she says in her, I thought, and she talks about how we need to be driven more by curiosity than by our fear. Mm. But what I love is she she says the more that we resist fear, the more that it has power mm. in our life. Like, mm-hmm. And she she tells the story of, of how she has a conversation with fear. And she says, fear, I'm not going to ignore you, but you're going to sit in the back mm. seat because <laughs> me and creativity wow. are going to drive this thing. We got our hands on the wheel. We're going to decide what songs we're playing on the radio. And so um, I'm not going to resist you. You you have a place in our family, but you are not going to decide where we're going or how we're going to get there. And I, I just I just love that. So we're not talking about denying fear in our life. In fact, the more that we can hold it and understand it, you know, the more that we can move through it and grow and move toward more creativity that's bringing greater happiness, right? Yeah, but I really believe that facing our fears is such a key because I think it stifles Mm -hmm. our creativity. And, you know, and and I really believe shame is a big part of fear. Mm -hmm. um, How how so, Scott? How, 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 How would, how's shame... I think that's I think that's my greatest fear is that uh, that I'll fail and you guys will then reject me and see me a certain way or mm. you know and and I'll, I'll believe these messages about myself that are so you know demoralizing and so it's uh, facing fear to me is one of the greatest challenges to to live from a creative creative life, to keep growing. And that's what I love about, I feel like I've learned a lot through working with all of you guys over these years that, that it's not a perfect path, that mistakes are actually, 
a part of the process and that it gives me this freedom to continue to express ourselves. And I believe that we need to have a dream, we need to have a vision that is driven through some kind of deep meaning for our lives, our whole lives, our whole lives. Um, and uh, in Personal Best, Dr. Sheehan says that the statistics on people who retire, give up on growth, they, we just start to decline. And so mm. it's like I told you, I ran into my friend who's in his mid-90s hiking at Radnor Lake, and he's still mm. doing ministry in Israel. And, um, mm. and, and I was like, he was sharp as a tack because he's still doing, he's still growing, he's still That's being. Good. Scott, when we... When we do fail, um, you talk about the uh, the spirituality of making a new beginning. Like that brings happiness. Like to know that you can mess up and yet you're you're living this deeper kind of spirituality that knows. Well, tomorrow I could try again. You know, tomorrow it could be a, it could be a new beginning. Like that that is part of experiencing a deeper kind of happiness too. Knowing knowing that we're never stuck and we always can you know have a reboot. And to know that every morning I wake up with all these brand new, brand new brain cells, millions of <laughs> neurogenesis. That every day is an opportunity to build a new neural pathway. We can begin anew every day, make a new beginning. And as you get older, the morning is is when they're most alive. You have the most, right? <laughs> they tend to die throughout the day. It feels like. <laughs> well, you guys, I, here here's I'd like to. Um, this is somewhat personal, of course, but and I think we're want all of the listeners to ask the same question because really you know it does come down to what makes us happy you know what do we love what are, you know what are we passionate about what you know what do we care most deeply about but i just wonder if each of you would be willing to share what makes you happy i i'll be happy to share what makes me happy i think that um for me happiness is found in continually being open to new things and to the unknown. Um, it is a willingness to like have my mind be changed and think differently about certain things and ideas. And I know that those are all things kind of like mm. within me. I think something outside of me that really makes me happy um, is like the quality of the relationships that I have to um to know that they are authentic that i am seen and known um fully as are the people in my sphere right that um we can just show up as is good bad the ugly and be loved and accepted that's really important to me and i feel like when i'm living that out uh, that does bring me happiness and just simple like engaging with nature. I love to be outside on a sunny day. Um, and I know that sounds super cliche, but there is like my happiness level quantifiably increases when I am outside and the sun is on my face. It's amazing. Anna, would you say that happiness is maybe more um, reachable than we've made up in our minds that like there's there's some low hanging fruit for joy and so. happiness. I and think so much happiness depends yeah. on our willingness to find it right where we are, not to go searching mm. for it, but to find what brings us joy 
and not to be so overwhelmingly focused on what makes us unhappy at all times, because that's easy, right? That's an easy go-to. Everybody has mm-hmm. things in their life that are imperfect, and everybody has things that are hard. Um, but if we can do the the challenging work of shifting our focus and not solely focusing on what's hard, but also focusing on what's good, man, it's so much easier to engage with our own happiness when mm-hmm. we do that. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's an integrated life that can hold attention of some of the things that are wrong, some of the things that you're attempting to grow in, but yet. Right. We are always going to, we're always going to dwell in a constant state of joy and pain that are like simultaneously happening. If we're really paying attention to life, they're Mm. always both going to be present. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Seth Abram, what makes (laughs) you happy, my friend? This um, doing this with you guys. Um, also, <laughs> also, what Anna was just talking about reminded me of something mm-hmm. I read a, a couple years ago in from a, a guy named, and I want to get to my own personal, but I'm just setting it up here. Uh, Robert Johnson, um, who yeah. talked about contentment, because I hold happiness and contentment pretty close together in my mind. Um, and he talked about how um, mm-hmm. modern people, all of us listening, believe that Contentment comes out of uh, getting what we want, when in reality it grows out of our capacity mm-hmm. to, how does he say it, something like mediate our desires with what is, and so which, which is which isn't always yeah, what we want. Yeah, in the moment, exactly. Right? And that's, more, that's, more and appreciating that came, what we actually have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of, that came out of what yeah. Anna was talking mm-hmm. about. Well, that's what it was sparked for me, and so like mm-hmm. I that said. For me, what brings me happiness is is the ways in which I've created what what I you know term, have termed a, a rule of life or just some kind of structure in your life that helps you consistently, continually return to the present moment, um, so that I can learn to be mm-hmm. with myself and other people more as they are, and experience them as they're coming to me without needing them to be anything different. Doing that for myself, practices that help me do that for myself and for other people. Um, so that's that's what brings me happiness, and that also includes like the for me that means like those practices are, are helping me minimize what I use to keep me separate from encountering a person, you know, as they are. So yeah, it is it is practices like Anna said for me. It's also it's going to it's being outside. Um, before we started, I was out. I set a timer for five minutes to just actually be um, walk, take a walk, and be. Go to, to go stare at a tree as, as silly as it sounds, and just actually see what's here <laughs> and see the 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 new growth that has begun already on that tree, and remember that I'm a part of that. And yeah, but but again, I, I think it's it's a consistent setting up of how um, I have structured my life to remember to return to the present moment. That's what that's what continues to bring mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. more and more happiness because I'm learning how to be content with what what is. And that's how you pick up all the crazy things that are happening because you are so fully present. Like you, we always find you when we're talking, you're <laughs> laughing because you're so fully present. You saw something that we all missed. <laughs> or or rather um, distracted. And that, no, but, mix above. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, that is, that is the gift of who you are. You, you, you are someone that any, in conversation, you know, uh, you, you really do bring yourself uh, fully present. So I witnessed you practicing that. Scott. What makes you happy? 
it's the um, it's interesting. It's it's the journey, the the feeling of growth of becoming with and with God. Um, it's very important for me to believe. Brings me great happiness to believe that God loves me and cares for me and wants to help me along the path and and that He and I or however you dis- discern God is going to we're going to co-create this this beautiful being and and I and I believe God I loved being outdoors I love that God speaks me through the birds and through the through all the different creatures and through trees and just like you know. Just an awareness that there's something good that's behind everything, even though life presents tremendous challenges and disappointments. There's something good. In in her book, The Artist Way, she talked about the key to creativity was enthusiasm, not not mm. like just self discipline. Because she and she said the word enthusiasm in Greek means with God, and so wow. if I. I don't know if you guys have experience, but I feel happiness when I feel enthusiastic mm. about living mm. today, just today. Mm. Being you know, alive, yeah. I wake up in the morning and can't mm. wait to make my smoothie and take my dog out and hear the birds. And uh, I like to sleep right by a window. So first thing in the morning, early, I can hear the birds singing, just the the sounds of life. So being connected to that enthusiastically, I kind of like that saying, you, know, you greet the day. Instead of dreading the day, I greet the day. I welcome it and what it's going to bring. Happiness is knowing how to celebrate the everyday things that mm-hmm. are right in front of us. Right in front of us. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, Go for it because I was I, just, I mean, just getting ready to work. ask if you weren't going to volunteer it. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping maybe one of you would ask me. <laughs> I guess it's, it starts with what I know does not bring happiness for me that leads to what makes me most happy, mm-hmm. but comparison, mm-hmm. yeah, it robs me, uh, sucks happiness, drains that out of me. But um, happiness is being loved for who I am. Um, when I experience that, I find myself so fortunate and feeling so filled. And it actually, in, in a lot of ways, um, helps me move further and further away from comparison when... We've discovered that for ourselves and we can trust it more deeply. But then when we have friends and people that love us, that always, always love us for who we are. So, yeah. Well, uh, friends, thank you for joining us. It's hard to cover all the secret (laughs) ingredients to happiness in 30 minutes. (laughs) Because the truth is we will all spend the rest of our lives figuring that out. But none of us have to do that alone. We We get to do it together. And... It's wonderful we just had 30 minutes to to talk about some of those, how they affect us. And and we hope that they would move your heart and maybe some of these would be encouraging to you. But we know you have your own too. So happiness is this, what makes you feel alive? That's what we need to ask and let's move toward it. So that's the invitation. Thank you for joining us here and listening. Uh, We'll see you back here uh, next week for another episode. But remember over every mountain, There is a path, and the future rewards those who discover and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Hey, friends, it's Scott. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Searching Outward podcast. If you've benefited from enjoying listening, 
or have benefited in any way from the podcast, we would love for you to come alongside us and join us in the mission to bring hope and healing to the world. While you're considering becoming a monthly giver of just even $5, you're helping us make a huge impact in the ways in which we're able to serve. So please consider giving by going to restoresmallgroups.org. Donate. God bless you and thank you.